Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we have two special guests that Tony's going to introduce. This is George and Abby Widman. Almost said wild man because <laughs> we, have, yeah, we have a friend in common. Yeah. Uh, George and Abby Widman. Uh, Abby is co owner of Cardinal Healthcare Solutions and uh, George is the CFO, so we're going to learn a little bit about what it is that their corporation is about from the little bit of research that I did. It looks like they're primarily a staffing agency. That uh, is correct. Okay. <laughs> and they provide some other healthcare-related solutions. I was just browsing their website, did a little bit of research, tried to find some things out, but uh, we're excited to uh, get to know these folks. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Thanks we're for having us. to be us. here. Yes. So, Abby, why did you let George into the company? <laughs> um, he's actually the one that kind of pushed me over the, the cliff, as we say. Um, he, I've been a nurse for about 10 years, and when we first got together, I was doing travel nursing. And um, I just approached the idea of I should open up my own agency so that I can provide competent care to those in need here in Fort Wayne. And he said... About two years into our relationship, he just said, what, what are we waiting for? So, wow. here we are. Are you from Fort Wayne? I am uh, actually from Bluffton, which is about an hour south. Yep. Nice. So, you guys have been in existence, or is this a chain or a franchise, or is it your own corporation uh, as far as the name Cardinal? It is our own. Okay. And you guys have been in operation since 2021? Yes, June okay. 2021. And then I was looking at some of the data, and I was like, how how crazy are the numbers? Like I said, 46,500 employees worldwide. Or was I on the wrong website? Okay. That's probably the big Cardinal Corporation. Um, oh, we okay. are just a small. We employ... Um, what do we employ, George? Oh, about sixty-five okay. nurses, CNAs, RNs, um, LPNs, QMAs um, around the area to long-term care facilities. Okay, what's the furthest that you guys go out as far as like counties? Are you just covering Allen County? Or are you going up out to like Kosciuszko? Like, what's your radius as far as the? Um, our focus is mostly on Allen County. We do employ uh, surrounding counties, Allen, or excuse me, Adams, Wells. Um, Huntington County, uh, we go up to DeKalb, Kosciuszko. We do have a couple in Indianapolis as well, so Marion County. Wow. Okay. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars, and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below. Buy the course. How far can you guys extend? Do you have to stay in Indiana? We do not. We can get licenses for other states. We just haven't approached that quite yet. Gotcha. Is that yeah. something in the future then? It's possible. We're pretty busy, just the three, four, or five of us that we have in the office right now, just in this area alone. We would like to branch out eventually, but um, we don't. We not only have the um, 
healthcare solutions, but we also have a school as well, which is Cardinal Jeez. School of Care. So we not only employ them, but we also train CNAs, train CNAs to become QMAs um, with hopes of them eventually coming to work for us. Not right off the bat because we don't necessarily want a brand new CNA working for us. Mm-hmm. We would at least like to have them work six months probably in the field before they come work for us. Got it. All right, tell us about like how this all got started. So tell us like your background and your background and then how you guys, maybe how you guys met and then how this transitioned into, hey, let's do this company. Obviously you said that he pushed you, but like what's your guys' backgrounds, like all of that stuff. Give us the whole. So I'm sales. I met Dakota actually, Jesus, how long ago was that? Five years, six yeah, years, six, I don't even, know. Even longer than that possibly. So um, uh, I sold cars for about, 15 years, um, got out of the car business after that time, met Abby via Tinder. Um, <laughs> I super liked her. You only get one a day. Oh, you super, you use your super like? I used my super Woo! like. <laughs> That's special. <laughs> used my super like, got her. Um, got her, it works. Works. <laughs> um, does this show you that he super liked you? It does. Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah. She got my one of that day. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to direct to seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about batch leads is that if you skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try batch leads today. Um, that's why I don't necessarily employ that strategy. You know, like you, you don't want to like play so far into it that the other person's like, whoa, that's weird. They're like, they're using their super like on me. I don't know about that. Yeah. That that usually makes people feel special. Though. Yeah, she was flattered. Yeah. I initially bypassed him. He was a little too tall for me. Yeah. That was mm. the first time I've heard that. But <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so like she said before, um, you know, we were in a relationship. It, it was kind of awesome. It, COVID wasn't awesome, but it was awesome for us. She got to travel all over the country, worked COVID assignments. She went to New York, ground zero, in the hospital in the very beginning, Times Square, a ghost town. I mean, she was there for all of that. Um, And then she was able to secure a contract in Pennsylvania, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So we actually went out there together. During COVID, I drove for Uber Eats. I drove for Uber. I drove for DoorDash. You know, made a killing doing that. So while she was out there doing a covid assignment i was driving doordash and we stayed at an extended stay um for what about a month um it was an eight week contract eight weeks so So we were out there for about eight weeks so i got to be with her came back then she went again out to texas then she went to louisiana jeez yeah and that was a hurricane contract yeah wow relief so that when she was doing these contracts, she was working for staffing agencies, mm. um, except they were more of travel staffing agencies. So they would send all over the country, uh, which I think you're familiar with, with some of your properties with nurses and yep. things like that. Yep. Um, so our biggest thing was, well, hey, why can't we do this? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, 
true entrepreneurship, you know, why can't we do it and do it better? Yep. And she had been talking about it and I had been talking about it and I'm the kind of person that will push you over the edge and make you do it and, and make you it. feel uncom- and make you feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Salesman anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of my side of that story and our day to day I kind of sit behind the scenes and allow her and her brother to to run everything and I just say no. I did not know that's her brother. How yeah. did how did you get um, in it and what were you doing at the time? So were you still selling cars, doing the Uber Eats and then you're just like, hey, I'm gonna jump in this business with you guys or like, did she start it and then you jumped in later or? So she took a contract at Parkview, a travel contract at Parkview. And during that contract, we were also taking care for her grandmother. So I was at home caring for her grandmother. Um, in her last days, she was on hospice in our home and her grandmother is actually, her grandmother and her father are the behind Cardinal. Cardinal actually has a, a meaning and a name. It's not just Cardinal of, you know, Indiana, mm-hmm. you know, state bird. It's, there's a, 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 I'll let her get more into that, but there's a meaning behind the name of the business, meaning behind the logo, all of it. Um, but while we were taking care of her grandmother in our last days, that gave us the opportunity of me to have more time to be at home helping grandmother her working these long shifts, making enough money to start this business. While she's out working, me and Lucas were, you know, on the phones calling facilities, Mm. cold calling. That's all we did in the beginning. Wow. Because we didn't have any facilities. So you have to have facilities to be able to staff the facilities. Mm -hmm. You got to have a contract with that facility. Um, The only way you can get a contract with that facility is to call them. That's Mm it. Wow. And that's what we did every day on Abby would leave for work around, what, noon or 1, and then we'd get on the phones, and we'd just hammer the phones for about three hours, four hours every day. Wow. And we'd heard a lot of no's, just like cold calling, yep. you know. And then we're, all right, we'll call you next week, see if we need, need the help. Yep. And a lot of those turned into getting a hold of the right person at the right time because it's a lot of leaving messages, you know, and you know how that is. Nobody listens to their voicemail anymore. Yeah. But you got to leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got to be quick. You know, hey, John, this is George. Give me a call. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Here's my phone number. And he's like, well, who's George? Yep. You know? Yep. So they get sometimes interested, just like getting past the, you Gate know, the keeper. gatekeeper. Yeah. Yep. Hey, can you let, hey, I'm, I'm here to call John. You know, or, hey, this is George. Can you let John know? And then a lot of times the call gets through and it works. Yep. I mean, that's the... Well, the name like George. You know, we get through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've gotten through many times. And like I said, you, it's all about getting to that right person. In the beginning, we're calling and asking for the receptionist. And then the receptionist tells us who the DON is. That's the director of nursing. So the next time we call, we're asking directly for the director of nursing. Mm. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before, and honestly, we've tried several different CRMs, and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. Then you find out who the executive director is because that's who you need to talk to for the contract. So the next time we call, we're not asking for the DON, we're asking for the executive director. Mm. So every time we call, we're just getting information. And that's one of the things I always tell these guys is like, hey, a call is a good call, even if you just get information. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's not always about closing that deal that day. It's about getting the information. Next step. That's what I always try to explain to the sales guys. It's not about closing the deal, man. Stop trying to close that deal right there when you first talk to them, especially on a cold call. It's about getting to the next step, creating that line of communication, going to the next step, next step, next step. And then eventually you end up at the finish line. You're like, holy crap, I can't even believe we got here. So, yeah, love it. All right, tell us your side of the story now. (laughs) All right, well, I've been a nurse since uh, 2013. Um, started out at hospital in a hospital setting here in Fort Wayne. Parkview um, or Lutheran? St. Joseph. St. Joseph. This yeah. part of Lutheran. Oh, it's okay. Lutheran, but okay. it's the one they just tore down. Oh, yep. okay. That it's, was my it's baby. It's the one where you're like most likely to get bed bugs. That's right. You got it. <laughs> she knows that for sure. <laughs> oh my Never gosh. got them, but my, I sure took care of them. My ex-wife brought them home to me once. Oh, no. To you only? That's why she's his ex. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Well, it's, it's funny no that it's funny she talks about the bug be- or the bed bugs like that because no matter where we go, it's ingrained in her now that she's looking for bed bugs mm-hmm. because oh, I of won't that job. Yeah. Bed at the ex- yeah. Executive or extended stays until I check everything thoroughly because St. Joe will do that to you. Downtown hospitals. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, I started out there as a student nurse. Um, graduated. Went to Lutheran for a while on their big uh, telemetry unit, which is basically a med medical surgical, and then went back to St. Joe. Um, started traveling uh, when COVID hit. Um, that took off. I went to New York City. Um, being in Times Square all alone without anybody else in the square with you is quite surreal. Is that your first um, time to New York? No, it was my second. The, this, wow. the first time was a vacation there, so I saw the city and I saw the action before COVID happened. That's insane. Yeah, so me by myself in Times Square was very surreal, but um, the newscast was, um, you, you see it on the news, like the Bayview Hospital, which is where I was, the um, refrigerator trucks with the uh, bodies in them. Um, that was all over the national news. That was that was real, and I can attest to that. I definitely saw the dead bodies lined up and getting on those frozen food trucks. Mm. Um, so it was very humbling. Um, I was blessed to be well and taking care of those people. Um, but I came back home. Um, didn't I was a little afraid of COVID at that time. We didn't really know what it was. That was March of 2020 when it first started. So the world shut down that week and then a couple weeks after. Um, came back home, did some assignments here locally, uh, went out to Texas, did another COVID assignment, um, hit uh, Louisiana's hurricane relief. And um, during the summer, we actually took that Bethlehem, Pennsylvania assignment where that's where we kind of talked more about hey, why don't we do this when I get back home? Um, I had worked locally for a few agencies here in town. Uh, we are quite close, most of the owners here, the other agencies and I, we know each other and we talk quite often. So I decided that we needed one that was um, had competent, um, compassionate care. And that's kind of where uh, it all started. I approached Lucas, uh, my brother, to be the co-owner with me. He had no clue what I was talking about because his background is uh, psychology. So he wasn't quite sure what I meant by a staffing agency, <laughs> but he ran with it with me. So here we are. It's been almost two years. Um, we've had a good time, lots of ups, lots of downs, but definitely cold calling. And George has done a phenomenal job of being a salesman and teaching us the ins and outs of all the cold calling. He's the one that tells me no most of the time. I, I will <laughs> say uh, one thing that was very important for us, and it's one thing I know you guys preach a lot. We did have a mentor. Mm. Yes, um, phenomenal. So in the beginning, we didn't know what to do. We didn't even know how to start an LLC, you know. So a lot of searching on our own, and then you get to a point where you can find the information, but you really need someone to help you, mm-hmm. help guide your way. And 
what's funny is, so Abby went to school with another nurse, uh, worked with her at St. Joe. Mm-hmm. Yep, I worked with her at St. Joe, became really good friends with her. She's an entrepreneur. She has several businesses. Um, and she started opening up a mentorship. And we were her first guinea pigs, essentially. Wow. And we paid, I think, $1,500 for the mentorship. For how long? Forever. What? Basically, yeah. She's my friend, so oh, I say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, of course, it's cheap. Um, <laughs> I think it's a six-month program that she does now. Okay. Right for fifteen hundred still? No. 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 Oh. I was saying, I was like, that's still cheap. We were fifteen hundred a month. I think yeah. we were probably the <laughs> success story that that allowed her to charge or you know use us as her. Hey, this is what I've done. That's amazing. Yeah. So she definitely gave us all the insight, all of the materials we needed to start the business, and then it was just for us to take our own personal steps and making yep. the business better. I like it. So what were your uh, startup costs? Like, what did the startup look like? What was the first thing you're like, hey, or like, did you have her as a mentor? Or what did that look like? Just getting it started? What was step one? And like, all so, that stuff? So we, so we did have her as a mentor. And just like, you know, every business step one's you're you, you got to come up with a name. Yeah, you know, because you can't even register unless you have a name. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to come up with a name. We took a long time. We sat down with Lucas. Um, you know, as Abby said, kind of brought him into the fold, and then let's come up with a name. And then that took us quite some time to really think about, you know, what the name of our business was going to be. Um, came up with the name of the business, registered, and, you know, and you know it's not very expensive to register a business. Um, but then once you start a business, there's lots of things, lots of ins and outs, especially when you have a staffing company. Is number one is payroll, mm-hmm. and when you bill facilities, facilities don't pay you right away. Mm. And sometimes they don't pay you at all, or it takes six months for you to get paid. For instance, we had one that we were hadn't paid us in about six months, and it was brought one hundred thirty thousand dollars that they owed us. Holy but we smokes. still have to pay our people, right? And they're number one. Mm-hmm. If they don't get paid, we have no business. Yep. So they have to get paid. Yep. Um, so we found a funding company that funds our invoices, um, and they do a, a really good job. I mean, they only charge one percent. Wow. Every ten days. Up to nine percent. Okay. Um, so Wait, say that again. How so, do you- so every ten, it's like a point every ten days. So okay. So like, like the, for instance, we usually invoice about say fifty thousand dollars a week. Okay. Um, so I send them my invoices. They give me eighty five percent is what they give me, and then they hold fifteen percent in escrow. Okay. So then they pay me that fifteen percent when that facility pays. pays. Okay. Right. And then they take their fee out of that. And, and their fee is 1% every 10 days. Okay. So if the facility doesn't pay within 10 days, it goes to 2%. And then if they don't pay there, it's 3%. Right. And okay. they usually pay within, I mean, 60 days is pushing it. So at the most, we usually pay is, is 6%. Got it. But it's somewhere around 2 to 3% is on average is what it is. Got Except it. for the one facility that that was, you know, 9%. And then there was a charge back involved in that. So we were basically charged back from the funding company, all $130,000. Holy smokes. So, yeah. So we had to sit and they're $30,000 away from paying that one off. So we don't, we don't staff them anymore. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but we almost have all of our money and we didn't have to get into uh, collections or anything like that. Good. We avoid that completely if yeah. we can. I would say our biggest obstacle when we first started was our insurance. Okay. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. insurance because... So a lot of insurance companies don't understand what we do from an insurance standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to find an insurance company that did understand us. 
So we ended up going to a conference, which is called NOSA, which is Nurse-Owned Staffing Agency. We found it on Facebook. We got in a group, went to that conference, connected with an insurance company then down there that was there as one of the vendors, and they've tailored our insurance to how we need it and what we it in insurance is extremely complicated and difficult yeah. so what kind of insurance are you talking about are you talking like workers comp insurance are you talking about like business insurance what kind of insurance? so workers comp is through the state pool so i don't yeah. have to worry necessarily about that that's pretty cut and dry and standard okay um but yeah as for like my employees going into a facility slipping and falling my employees driving because we also do hospice so we also do like home health care okay so my employees driving to from one home to the next home to the mm -hmm. next home to the next home insurance that covers all of that you know theft because you do have these um, employees that are going into these people's homes but also going into these long-term care facilities which are their homes as well um, It'd be like malpractice theft. malpractice even too malpractice, right? like, yeah accidental death things yeah, like all that trips falls everything mm. so finding something that encompassed all of that was was a challenge for us for wow. sure Okay, so is that the biggest obstacle you'd say? Funding and insurance were definitely huge ob obstacles. I think we got in at the right time in this business. Yeah. I really think it would be difficult to get into this business right now. We okay. were lucky because, again, it's COVID. You don't want to say lucky, but there was a need mm -hmm. and a huge need. Yep. And there still is. So we got in at the right time during the huge need, made a name for ourselves, got a really good name in the community. Um, so we do a lot of community events as well. Um, we you have one one tonight at Homestead. We do. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, we sponsored a mural like you guys did. Also, we built um, off of. If you guys ever drive down State Street, it's this big cardinal on the side of. Uh, it? What is it? What tattoo parlor is it? Pink Lady Tattoo Painted Shop. Lady, okay. Painted Lady Tattoo Shop. There's Painted a huge Lady, mural on there on the yep. side of it. It's a big cardinal. That's ours. That's awesome. We had a block party there for that. Um, gave away a lot of things. We go to community outreach. So we go to different long-term care facilities. We, The last one we had, we went to, we brought a DJ, a wow. dance party, you know. Um, to the residents of Byron. To the residents of Byron Health. Health. And they loved it. That's so. awesome. Yeah. So we like to get out of the community as much as we can when we can, at least yeah. once a month. That's amazing. So usually with healthcare, you know, uh, people have even told me with like HCAP scores, you get paid, you know, two out of every $5 if you're a two-star hospital and three out of every $5 if you're a three-star hospital when it comes to the, the ways that the insurance is actually even willing to reimburse you. So with the complexity with compliance and paperwork and like different insurance issues and uh, the legalistic nature of working in hospitals. How do you guys stay organized? Like what CRMs, systems, tools, what things do you guys have in place that you're like, okay, this is how we can make sure we get all the paperwork to them so that we're not waiting on anything in order to get paid? Mm, that's a really good question. Because you guys are basically like, do you do an HR too, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's a great question because we have a software solution for all of your questions that you just asked um, so we have a scheduling platform let's start from there we have a scheduling platform that we use that our employees can get on see the shift pick because it, it's pick and choose mm. like people can pick and choose when they work it's like a gig economy type of job um, it's like uber or it's not like anything like that it's it's you get on your app you find your shift you want to work you pick it you work it it's that easy for people they get their own schedules they work their own schedules everybody gets to they know what they're going to make because some facilities they make a little bit more some facilities they might make a little less some facilities might give you travel pay because it's a little bit further to drive yep. so 
we have a scheduling platform that all of our employees have for that. We also have another platform that we use. It's called Kamana. Um, that platform, Lucas, actually is kind of um, heads that one. That's for mostly onboarding and credentials. So when we onboard somebody, we have all of their credentials in there. Every everything you could think of. Every letter. Every <laughs> letter you could think of, we have it all in there. And then we make that that credentialing platform available to our facilities. So if we have a new person coming in there, we can shoot them a link and that link has all those credentials on there mm -hmm. that we decide that they want to see. So if there's something we don't want them to see, we don't we can leave it out. But they see whatever we want them to see about that person. So they're basically getting a resume for every person that we send in there. Mm knowing like oh yeah this is a good person we want them in here because some facilities you have to go through that process some facilities are like we just need the, the body wow. some facilities are very strict and very very nitpicky about who they allow in there yep so so, so we have a platform for that um hey, you got a lot more platforms <laughs> obviously i use quickbooks um for my accounting software mm -hmm. um what do you what else do you use what's the other ones humanity that's for our scheduling Kamana, that's for our credentials. Yep, I do my compliance through Kamana. We actually don't mess with the age caps because we don't have to file with insurances at mm. this time. We just bill the facilities. So we don't really have to worry about payouts from, mm. we from do insurance. Have, yeah. We do have to worry sometimes because some of our facilities um, are Medicaid, Medicare facilities. So they get paid. When they get paid, we get paid. Okay. So those can be take a little bit longer. That's mm -hmm. where we get into those 90 days of no payments mm -hmm. that we run into. Now, do private owned ones, we get paid sometimes two weeks, you know. Wow. Do nurses keep their notes on file with the hospital that they're working with? Or are you guys responsible for the documentation that the nurses do as well? Like, like uh, charting? Uh, yeah, charting. Um, they do all their charting at that facility on their um, charting platform. Mm -hmm. There are different ones. At this time, we, are only, we aren't in hospitals quite yet. We are working on our... Um, Joint Commission accreditation, and we will be in the hospitals once we obtain that. Um, that's, that's a big it. deal. Are you guys familiar with the JCO? That's nope. a lengthy um, process. Explain them. I was going to ask, what licenses do you have now, and then what other licenses do you guys looking for? Like, just to be in the long-term care that you talked about, do you have to have certain licenses? In Indiana, you do. You have to have a, a license to operate in a staffing agency, um, and I can take that in any facility. Um, the one they are looking for, like the JCO accreditation, which just um, sets you top tier okay. with your competitors. So it's a lengthy process. You have to have all your files um, 100%. And then we go through a, they'll come in and thumb through all of our files. So um, that JCO accreditation that she's talking about, that's important because certain hospitals will not allow a staffing agency like us in unless we have that accreditation. Mm. And then do you have to like, do you have to have a nurse on staff or a doctor or anybody like that? Or can you as a staffing agency have nobody in the medical field and still hire the professionals? Yes. You do not have to be a nurse to own a staffing agency. Okay. You can be a lay person. It definitely it. helps though to sure. have a nurse running your, you know, a face like, you know, hers that can. Yeah. Relate to the, relate, relate to the questions uh, and the issues that are with, happening. Because in the yeah. she gets a lot of emails daily regarding, um, disciplinary actions instances and her being a nurse she can speak that jargon yeah do know? uh do you guys have everybody then so like let's say respiratory therapists like nurses like all of that or do you guys staff any doctors or um or is it like you know who is on your guys's staff uh, currently we have um licensed practical nurses lpns rns uh, qmas and cnas at this time okay um, we hope to branch out 
um, we have a need for lots of dietary. A lot of the nursing homes are needing help in dietary. So hopefully that's our next avenue. Um, is it hard to branch out or like more work or? No, I just have to be sure my credentialing is up to date and that I have the right um, cred credentials available for those staff members. Got it. But we have a program that they do testing on um, to keep up their uh, yearly like HIPAA, safety, abuse, elderly, dementia training, et cetera. So, so you guys, every single employee or like person that you're getting doing this for, do you call them employees? Yes. yes. Okay. So every single employee, you guys have to make sure that they're up on date on their credentials. Are you are you W twoing everybody? Yes, we are. Oh, what a nightmare! <laughs> <laughs> so we've looked into ten ninety nine. We do ten ninety nine. A couple people like our instructors for our school. Okay. Um, we've looked to, to ten into ten ninety nine. Our employees. We would love to be able to do that, um, but at this time, and what we decided from the beginning was W twos. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide that? And explain for people, just in case they don't know, the difference between ten ninety nine and W two, and why you decided to do that with sure. your company. So 1099 is an independent contractor. Um, you really don't have a lot of say and you really can't, there's definitely some more complexities involved with a 1099 employee versus a W-2. A W-2, they're your employee and they have to follow your guidelines. A 1099, they don't really have to follow your guidelines. They're, mm -hmm. they're not your employee per se. They're like a contractor. They're an independent contractor, yep. right? So it makes it a little more difficult um, with a 1099 employee, it's just from tax purposes. I don't have to pay for, you know, their employee taxes. I don't have to match their social security and I don't have to, um, pay for, uh, workers comp. Mm -hmm. And that's huge for us when you have 60 some employees, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of money yeah. that we're, I wouldn't say missing out on, but it's definitely, yeah. you know, costly mm -hmm. as a business owner to have a w-2 employee versus a 1099 yep got it so they're only your w-2 employee for a certain period of time until their contract expires so they are not a contracted employee with us they don't have a contract they're they are free to pick and choose their hours free to pick and choose when they work mm -hmm. they're basically they a per diem employee. per diem so yeah so really they only have to work eight hours a month that's enough to cover, you know, our scheduling platform costs, uh, payroll costs, things like that. So as long as they pick up one eight-hour shift a month, they they remain on our platform. If for some reason they can't pick up a shift, um, they will get deactivated from the platform. Doesn't mean they're fired. I'm not firing somebody, but it just means that they'll be deactivated and from the platform until they are um, able to pick up a shift, and then they contact HR to see if they can be reactivated. It's kind of funny. It's like, yeah, uh, we're not firing you, but we're permanently disabling you from <laughs> ever. So, yeah, you said that, not me. <laughs> so explain, explain to me how it works, because uh, basically it sounds like, let's just say, you know, you guys are getting paid $50 an hour for the nurses. They, you pay them now 30 and then you get all the other costs and everything like that of owning a business. That's basically how it works. Yeah. Um, and then if so, if they do not work, you don't get paid anything. You make zero dollars if they don't do anything. Is that correct? That is correct. So the, the value we have as a business is that we can provide staffing to a facility when they need it. Mm -hmm. um, so, for instance, we just had a facility that has a COVID outbreak. Um, they needed CNAs. They said, hey, here's the hours. We need CNAs and we need RNs because we don't have enough. Mm -hmm. 
here's our list of needs that we have, you know, and we haven't talked to them or they haven't been giving us regular needs, but all of a sudden, boom, we need it. So here's their list of needs. They give them to us. Typically within a couple hours, we can get all those needs filled. Wow. And, okay. we had, and we've had some give us a list of needs, and then all of a sudden we have them filled, and they're like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. We, don't, we didn't need all those. Well, you gave yeah, them. Yeah, why did you say they didn't? <laughs> yeah, they did. Well, so it was Stillwater, wasn't it? Yes, it was one of our hospice facilities. They were they were new, so it was a new facility, you know, just they were new to staffing, new to staffing, new to agency, and they gave us their list of needs, and then we had them filled within an hour, and they were like, "Whoa, hold on a second, we didn't know that's how fast it would be." Oh so. my gosh, that's pretty cool though. <laughs> yeah. They were shopping around. They sent it out to like five different agencies. Yeah, probably you guys so, just yeah. got back fast enough. Well, that you got all the that's that's exactly work. exactly that's what we do, and that's the biggest. Part of our, you know, we do a great job, but we have a scheduler named Sarah. She's amazing. She is the lifeblood of our business because she is the person that she's the front of it all. She mm. does all of our scheduling. Um, she has somebody, you know, she has shifts filled. She knows them all by first name. I mean, she's constantly in contact with them 24 seven. Um, we tell her to put her phone down sometimes and she doesn't listen. Yeah. You know, um, but she's, yeah, she's working her way up. She's going to take Abby's job eventually. So that's awesome. So, so I see your, I, your primary leadership then is George, Abby, Lucas, who's off camera right now. And then Sarah, is there anybody else that's one of your like primary people that's either in the leadership or the assistant role? Uh, currently it's just the four of us in the um, Cardinal healthcare staffing side uh, on the school side. We do have a, a leader, her name is April. She's our lead instructor at this time. So she does a phenomenal job with our CNAs. And I was going to say, so I see the value to the places who are hiring. What's your guys' value to the nurses? Like, why do nurses be like, man, I want to work with Cardinal? Do you want me to tackle that or you want that one? <laughs> um, to come on with Cardinal, they are an agency nurse, and therefore they can make a lot more money agency versus staff. Um, they can come here and probably make 10 to 15 more dollars an hour than they would be being hired by that long-term care facility. Mm. Um, they have the flexibility to make their own schedules, to pick up uh, potentially a four-hour shift when you're required to work eight or 12 at that facility. You can work four. Um, basically, the facility will just take whatever we can give them at that time. Um, wow. So they have the flexibility. Um, we do not offer benefits at this time, so that's one thing that is probably the downfall for some of our nurses that um, our raising families, they need that insurance, which we hope to get on this year. But um, the number one thing that we hear is the flexibility. Yeah, love it. That's awesome. Yeah, we preach, you know, living life and spending time with your families, and we want that the most for our employees is for them to be able to work the shifts that they want to work. And if they can't work it, then we'll do our darndest to find somebody that can. So sometimes we'll get a call off or we have a Facebook group that people go on they post their shifts hey I took this shift but I have this going on and then sometimes for that employee if they can't get that shift covered we might throw a couple dollars on that shift for employees mm -hmm. to pick it up you know because we don't want to leave the facility shorthanded and we don't want that employee to have a mark on their record because they can't make their shift yep sounds Sounds to me like a 1099 employee. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you're like, you're like, hey, you got the freedom to kind of come and go as you want and do all this stuff. Sounds like a 1099, but I yeah, like Yeah, me and my accountant have talked about it. We're thinking about it. So Yeah. yeah. I think that the difference, like, legally would be the, or from the legal standpoint, is the expectations for, like, what you wear 
and certain behaviors and showing up on time and things like that. But the funny right? thing is the hospital will choose that, not even them, like not the employer. You know what I mean? It's going to be more the hospital that decides what they wear, not not them. Yeah, there's some there's definitely that because the I can only tell them to do so much as a 1099 employee, but when they go to the hospital, you're right. They can they can tell them what to do. Yeah. Because they're not my employee, mm-hmm. you know. Mhm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, my accountant told me there's definitely some gray area with yeah, with 1099ing, so yeah, just got to be careful. Yeah, I'll say it's difficult. It's difficult because there's so many different rules around it. And then if you supply them with any equipment mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, then it's like, oh, are they in a, like we deal with the same thing here. And so we actually just switched a couple people over just to W-2 because I'm like, you know what? They're here. They are doing multiple different jobs. So like that's one thing that could be 1099. But then like they're here all the time. They work 40 hours. Let's just do a W-2 just to be like just to be safe. I'd yeah. rather just do that than like you know, get, but we do have some people that are 1099, like our project manager, he's not here right now. He travels on job and stuff. So like we're going to 1099 him because we don't supply him with his own equipment or anything like that either. Mm-hmm. So, but there is definitely some gray area, but yeah, if, as long as your tax accountant is telling you, then yeah. it sounds to me like it's 1099. Sure. I think it actually sounds more like a 1099 than a W2 with the way you describe it, but listen to your tax accountant over yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no, we've definitely, it's been something that we've discussed um, just within the last three or four months of, of trying to get everybody switched over to a 1099. So we're, yeah. we're definitely on the same page. Yeah. Did, did DoorDash 1099 you or WTU? Yes. To you? yes. Uh, see, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe 1099 then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did they tell you what to wear? No, they oh, sure did. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I just had to, uh, show up i didn't even have to have a doordash bag yeah they're like so. do you have a pulse okay yeah. welcome yeah, to doordash yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that time it was that way and i tell you i was i was making hand money you know hand over fist at that when everybody what do you was think locked you're making, in and like per hour 30. wow and where, where were you at at the time were you in new york or where were well, you here and then pennsylvania so i didn't go wow. to new york for i just did pennsylvania in here but here was because doordash was new New York, you have to ride a bike around. Yeah, so DoorDash. <laughs> so, so before COVID, door, there wasn't very much DoorDash around here. I mean, there was, a, it was brand new for the most part. And then COVID hit. That's like that's all you could do is DoorDash. Yeah. Yep. You know, and then you'd pick up, you know, four or five orders at a time. And if it showed up cold, I mean, people were like, okay, at least I got my food at that mm-hmm. point because you just had so many orders and it was, yep, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a nice little break from sales and monotony and i got to go in my car and listen to podcasts all day so that would be awesome yeah. and the virus was a lot less likely to travel that way than if you'd sat down in a restaurant yeah yeah because <laughs> so, it was a smart virus <laughs> um the the services that you guys offer because you said that you're not in the hospitals yet so you're doing home health yeah and you're doing uh hospice yes and long-term care facilities long-term care facilities okay have you seen a big dip because you talked about like COVID being an opportunity for staffing agency nurses uh, needed in exponential amounts like beyond anything that we've seen in recent history and then you guys saw a dip right or have you seen a dip Uh. Um, our growth I actually just ran numbers for our accreditation that we're doing and our growth has um, went up exponentially it's It's crazy and hours or employees or both? both both wow we're, we're, yeah, it's, I would have never believed where we're at right now. Mm. 
Now the COVID has settled down a little bit yeah. and it, 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 you know, comes and goes. Um, a lot of facilities it's, you know, COVID's here to stay. We're not going to get rid of it. So mm-hmm. the, uh, the pay for it has changed a little bit. Um, they're not being um, paid as highly as they once were because it's just going to be a normal thing. So mm-hmm. we have to deal with it. But yeah, because COVID numbers al- have definitely co- our numbers for staff and um, hours have risen. Mm. COVID allowed us to get into the facilities and then our work ethic and the way we do business has allowed us to stay. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Do you think that the need for nurses went up because, I mean, I I saw that some nurses had kind of lost their jobs. Did you see them migrate from the hospital because of the legalistic nature of the hospitals where they're like, you have to get the vaccine or you're going to get fired? Did you see people break off from that and just go, you know what, I'm just going to go PRN now. And have you seen that shift happen a lot just like in the last few years where nurses are like, hey, I think there's something better available. And I heard about it because of COVID. Dude, this podcast is going to get nerfed for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. COVID definitely uh, changed uh, their way of thinking a lot. Um, The vaccine mandate for many uh, hospitals and facilities changed their way of thinking, and they reached out to us and asked us if we were uh, requiring it, which we did not. We accepted exemptions. Um, so that got us quite a bit of, of employees. Now we have to abide by our the facilities. The exemption was like, I don't want to. Um, no, we required a little bit more than that. Like oh, okay. Medical or religious. We needed, so. we needed, we needed three sentences. So. Yeah, at least. <laughs> um, but we do have to abide by the facilities and their uh, wants and needs. So we did have um, two facilities, I think, that required it. So we just didn't offer those to those employees that didn't want the vaccine. Mm. They couldn't see it on their platform. So. Do you guys mind if I jump off and Lucas jumps in so sure. you guys can meet sure. Lucas and ask him a few questions, too? <laughs> sure. Since he's uh, the other half of this. Put on. All right. I was going to ask, so let me just rewrite my questions. No, I'm just <laughs> Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. <laughs> I'm going to try the intro now. <laughs> Um, all right. So, well, one thing that I did like that, uh, that George talked about, and I don't know if you guys uh, both experienced this, but basically I always tell people that whenever you're going to start a business, you basically just have to jump in and then you have to figure it out. Um, and that's what I like that you guys talked about, like in the cold calling and all this stuff, honestly, like you're never, ever, ever in a million years going to figure it out. So, um, do you guys agree with that? Do you think you just like jumped in, started figuring out or like walk through like what you thought about initially and then like what you had to figure out along the way. And then it sounds to me like you're still figuring out, which we all are, but everybody thinks once you get to a certain point that you got it figured out when realistically it's just the process that continues to go on. Yeah. As we look back on our, um, memories from last year or our pictures from last year and we sat down and think about what we were doing then we're like, we thought we needed all of this and we didn't need any of it we had no clue what we were doing we just did day to day and kept going we've kind of molded ourselves and figured out our own roles within the company as we've grown um, but in the beginning we were all had our hands in everything mm. and then as we grow mm. we're like we have too many hands in the pot here we got to figure out our specific roles and you know it was hard for me to maybe give up some of those roles and give them away because <laughs> yep. they were my babies i thought but obviously i was meant to do what i'm doing in the company and they're meant to do what they're doing so the roles have definitely changed, and we've seen that um, since our since we've grown. That, that's so funny because that's exactly what we experience. Just so many different people, and then it's hard to know of like, hey, I thought that you were doing that. Well, I thought you were doing that. Well, we need to decide who is going to be responsible for that, or somebody didn't get it done, and then we thought the other person was handling it. So 
who does what role like what exactly are your roles and then how did you guys decide on who's gonna do what in the beginning we initially all of us um, would onboard the uh, employee and that was just like hey did they do their skills yet have they sent you their BLS card have they and then it was just easier to hand that all over to Lucas so he does all of the onboarding um, I handle all of the discipline and compliance and then we have Miss Sarah who does a phenomenal job at our scheduling and then George, he handles all the money, all the invoicing, payroll, anything from that standpoint is forwarded to him. And I don't even know the login for QuickBooks. Have I have never even seen the QuickBooks program, and I mm. never want to. So, I was just about to ask about that, actually. So with with handling the money, there's uh, obviously you guys are brother and sister. Yes. And then you guys are married. So obviously there's a lot of trust there. How important do you think it is to trust the people? Because that's the interesting thing. It's like, for us, we have it to where it's all open. Like, Tony can log in. Yes. Everybody can log into the bank account. Everybody can see everything. Every single person that works for us can log in because I want complete freedom to where you guys know that we're not stealing from you. We're not screwing you over. You can log in. You can see everything. How important do you think trust is in order to do that? Because you obviously trust him just to do it. But we also like checks and balances in ours because like, you know, we're all good friends and stuff. But Absolutely. I think that, you know, it can cause a division if something does happen. It definitely can. Um, we have we all have a, a login. We all can see it from day to day. I could log into QuickBooks if I wanted to and read it all. Um, I usually just log into the actual bank account itself and review things from there to make sure charges look good. Um, but we, we review it. We have a weekly meeting and we sit down and review numbers and talk about budgets and, you know, spending and I'm probably the one that spends it all, actually. <laughs> I will say that. Um, on but, growth? Or what do you guys spend the money on? Um, office supplies. I mean, I'm always buying stuff for the school. I'm buying stuff to make us better. I'm buying swag. Um, I'm the one that usually does all of the ordering. So mm. I'm the spender, and I'm the one that gets yelled at. But How, how old are you guys, by the way? Well, I'm 38. 33. 33, okay. George, 45. George is 45. Old. <laughs> Old yeah, guy. he's old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys keep mentioning the school. Let's let's hear about this school now. So we talked a lot about the agency. What is the school? Why did you start the school? What is, what is this school that we're talking about? Uh, this school teaches CNA uh, teaches students to be CNAs or QMAs. Um, you begin as a CNA, you come to our school, and it's a 105 hour program that the state of Indiana regulates. Um, wow. We are state approved to teach that class. Um, they regulate us and can audit us at any time. So you come in and you do 30 hours of coursework, and then our wonderful instructor, April, takes them out to our facilities and teaches them the clinical side of it, which they have 75 hours to do out there. Um, we do a majority of our clinical hours at Byron Health Center, uh, which is a new facility uh, near our office on Beacon Street. It is beautiful. Um, we have a lot of great feedback from the employees there uh, it's a mental health facility hmm. so it's good to get um, i think the stigma on mental health is important and we need to get out there and teach and educate those on mental health and that it's not scary to take care of somebody that has an issue as we once thought um, so just to get them out and get them exposed i actually put my daughter through the course and she took a full-time job at byron so oh. she loves it um, the only reason i know george stated that we don't hire our new aides and that is only because we would do them a disservice. We are an agency, so you jump in head first when you walk into that facility and you are expected to know everything mm. about your role. And as a brand new CNA, you're not gonna know everything. Mm. So we want you to go get that six months of um, training that you deserve at that facility. They'll usually give you eight to 12 weeks of one-on-one um, -on -one training. 
and you need all of that training to get uh, to be the best that you can be. So once they get that six months, we think we bring them back and they can definitely uh, get on our gotcha. uh, roster. I was thinking, I was like, that's so most cool. What are you gonna say? I was, most of them, not all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, man, that's so cool. You're creating a funnel for yes. your other businesses. And I'm like, oh, dang, now you gotta wait six months. That's unfortunate. Yeah, but we do, we have a lot of CNAs that we put through the QMA, which you have to be a CNA first prior to being a QMA, which is a qualified medication aid. So we do hire most of those because there already are CNAs that take our QMA course. So they just transfer roles and make $10 more an hour after they get that certification. So you, you can't hand people pills until you get your QMA? That is correct. Aha. Uh -huh. Interesting. <laughs> yep. Did, um, do you, Lucas, do you feel like your psychology degree helped you in, like, give you a base of knowledge and that sort of thing? Do you have a bachelor's of science? Uh, I have a bachelor, yes, in science. Okay. Uh, previous to this, I worked at Bowen Center uh, for about three years. Um, ironically, when I was working there, I always wanted to be the person that hired people. Mm. I feel like I get a pretty good read on mm. people. You know, you can just tell kind of just there's only so many patterns people can follow, you know. So <clears throat> I got a pretty good eye at spotting out the ones that'll be good or knowing if they're going to flake. So um, I would say in that sense, yes, it did help because I learned how to read people better. You think that Dakota and I make good nurses? Yeah, I think you guys. Are. <laughs> I mean, really, I I like what you guys have to preach about God and how you feel about that, and anybody that has that relationship should be in healthcare. So, mm -hmm. I like it. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Then you told us a little bit. So, like, you know, what were you guys like growing up? I'm actually curious about that too. Like, <laughs> did you guys like fight a lot? And then. What got you into this business with it all? Uh, He's definitely the annoying little brother. <laughs> She's five years older, so, you know, um, I had to, we had a, a brother, he passed away, and he mm. was, he was the middle. Mm. The, the prized middle, middle child, so, you know those ones. The prize, uh, I was the middle child, I was definitely oh, not prized. That explains it. But I was, I was, I was the, <laughs> I had Defiant. an older sister and a younger sister, and yeah, I was like the one that, I was like, yeah. I lived with mostly with my mom <laughs> growing up, so yeah. That mom's always like the girls more, you know what I mean? They do? Yeah. My mom did. Okay. Well she did not like me. Not Brenda. <laughs> I was the the baby, so I think she liked me. Brenda liked the boys, which is our mother, so mm. but uh I don't know, we had We had a really good relationship growing up, I think, Key. Yeah, it was just the the age difference, mm -hmm. maturity kind of thing, really, but you know, I'd have my sleepovers with my little girlfriends and he would be the annoying little tyrant that would come in, but they all seemed to like it. I didn't really care for He was that, trying to hit on them, and they were like, what's <laughs> up? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun growing up. And then we had Ben. He was our middle guy, and he was the – Lucas was the tattletale, so then you would hear Dad coming down the hallway, mm. maybe cursing a little bit under his breath, coming to get me, but I was an angel. <laughs> so what, what were you thinking in high school? Like, what were you like in high school? What happened after high school? Did you go straight from high school to college, and then you got your psychology, and then you well, went to Bowen, and then you went to this, or? That's when, so our father passed away when I was 18. Uh, that kind of, you know, everything you think you have planned for your life, kind of, it changes when something like that happens. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of made me reevaluate. You know, I started college. Obviously, I hadn't dealt with or mourned, really, the loss of my dad, and that kind of threw things off on a different timeline. Um, and then I kind of, you know, uh, 
Ben passed away about five years later, and that did another, you know, work a number on my mental health. Yeah. So then after I uh, worked through that, finally graduated uh, college. I was 26, 27, and, you know, it took me eight, eight years, but I did it. Yeah. And then I yeah, worked in uh, mental health for quite a while. I was ready to get out. It's I wouldn't recommend doing that. It is... Uh, it's a pain. Tiresome. Yeah, well, working mental health, you mean? I, I mean, I enjoyed it, but people... Kind of, you, it learned. It taught me discernment. You got to learn to discern the people that want the help or the ones mm. that will just take the help. Mm. So you know, and that's kind of the world we live in. The people will just take what's given to them. There's the just need to learn discernment. <clears throat> Abby approached me with the agency idea, and I was ready for a change. Wow. So yeah, COVID started for me is one another reason why the agency started. Uh, COVID and the regulations and the mandates and yeah, things like awful. that. I didn't really necessarily believe in all of those mandates. So I thought, well, if I go out on my own, then I don't have a, anybody to clock in and tell me I have to do this. So I said that was the end of that. And before um, the mandate happened at the um, facility I was at, of course, they dropped that mandate and uh, were accepting exemptions at that point, which was very much needed here. They took yeah. a, I think they spoke highly in Fort Wayne. They were the first hospital system to allow exemptions, so. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So uh, either personally or professionally, what is, you guys can answer this together or you could answer it separately. What is your best, most interesting or favorite failure? Hmm. Do you ask this during your interviews? <laughs> if you were an object, what would you relate to? <laughs> well, uh, so I can kind of think of something um, right off the bat. We had this disgruntled employee that left us a, a negative Google review. Mm. And she also, you know, the next day, another one-star Google review popped up from somebody that we didn't even mm. have any relationship with, know who she was. Mm. Um, you know, we kind of let that sit there for a while. And then a few uh, a month ago or so, I reached out. To, I looked up this person, reached out to the facility. You know, I did some digging. Um, turned out that it wasn't uh, this individual. It was this disgruntled employee that was acting as somebody acting else. as somebody else to leave us more negative reviews. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, the facility, the admin there, uh, she was you know she was very it was actually bright star. Uh, she's great, and uh, Shannon, she reached out, and she was like, you know, maybe our paths, this is an odd way that we, our paths are crossing, but maybe it was for a reason. Let's uh, see how we can benefit one another and turn this around. So so out of that negative one-star review, we actually cultivated a relationship mm-hmm. and have another facility on our list, so. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Didn't really hurt us in the Thank end. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's And that's right downtown, too. The Bright Stars, sometimes they help people with, like, uh, assistance for as far as, like, uh, paying their electric bill or help them with housing stuff and that sort of thing. Uh, Is that? They're, uh, that's. Bright Point. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. I actually right, I'm getting it mixed up. Bowen. So, yeah, but Bright Star, they, they do have an office downtown, too. Uh, that's their home health. But the facility up on Coldwater is the one that we were 
working with so oh, okay it's funny because we have a very similar story about the one-star review we actually uh um had to let a guy go as a contractor he was like stealing hours from us and then once we let him go he had his girlfriend go leave us a one-star review and then as soon as he did that we didn't have very many reviews at the time so i'm like all right hey you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna message every single person mm -hmm. we did business with by the end of the day we had 25 star reviews so i was like all right well thank you you gave me the motivation i needed to make this <laughs> Exactly. Uh, happens so it's interesting how like whenever somebody does that like you know you don't have to see it as a horrible thing right. it can actually be like you can use that for good no matter what it is an opportunity so we could double this one up too this is kind of like the final question we're getting into it or do you want to go longer um no we can get into the final question i, I was going to go real deep with him so it'd probably be too long you, you could i mean we got we got time all right, I got I got probably ten minutes till I have to use the restroom, so <laughs> real bad. We got to mop that too because we got to get to homestead. So about ten fifteen minutes. Okay, perfect. Okay. So uh, let me just ask this question. Maybe we won't go too long, but so you obviously went through a lot during your psychology degree. Did you learn anything while you were going through those really hard times from school or psychology? What did you learn that actually helped you get through those hard times? Because that's the interesting thing about it is like, dude, you you never know how you're gonna react when something like that happens because mm -hmm. that's like. That's some big stuff. Yeah, I mean, not to get weird, but, uh, you know, it kind of really forced me into a dark place in my life. And, uh, you know, I was kind of agnostic, atheist, whatever, you know, and through those negative experiences, it really forced me to confront, you know, things that I never would have given any thought about, you know, and, you know, question existence and God and, uh, you know, why we're here, really, what's the purpose. Mm. And through, you know, the death of my dad and brother, it really, it changed my life, like, for the better. I mean, it, I don't want to say, I, obviously, I miss them, but yeah. uh, I am grateful for where I am mentally now. So, got it. Uh, I learned more from that than I did from school. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how, we talk a lot about this actually how something traumatic like that we always try to obviously prevent it and obviously we don't want it to happen because going through it sucks man but then like whenever you do have something traumatic like that happen in your life then it does shape you into the person and like sometimes that's the only thing that would ever get you to start questioning things like that is by having that extreme to where you go in deep reflection of like dude what am i doing here what is this really about like why am i here and to go into those deep thoughts sometimes takes some freaking breakdown which really really sucks and something else that we always say that I like that you talked about is things always happen for you, not to you. And that's a difficult thing for people to um, grasp, especially with death. And honestly, I have not experienced death um, close to me. And so that's what I'm like, I'm honestly scared of, of it because I'm like, man, I don't know how I'm going to react. I've had some other ha stuff happen in my past. that was mm -hmm. pretty traumatic, but nothing like that. So it is going to be interesting. Um, the way that it goes, though, the only other thing I want to say about this is I just heard this on a podcast the other day was uh, the guy basically said the only way that you can ever prepare for unseen uncomfortableness, which is kind of what that is, is like, dude, I can't, you can't decide if you're gonna have cancer. You can't decide if you're gonna get sick. You can't decide if somebody dies or anything like that. It's a, it's an un, like you can't choose it. And it's an uncomfortable place to be in. The only way that you can ever prepare for that is by choosing to put yourself in uncomfortable situations that kind of gets you more like, uh, ready for it in a way like i'm so used to being uncomfortable that it doesn't take it away but it makes you more used to it to where you're maybe able to deal with it um more 
like psychology wise because it all really is about your self-talk and like you could have went to a dark place and be like dude this isn't worth it anymore and then like you know like like all right i don't want to i don't want to even think about it. i don't want to do this and then you just go freaking be all alone and stuff but instead like if you go to that place where you can help yourself mentally where you're like okay why did this happen what does this mean and like ask yourself those questions it's really going to be about the questions that you ask yourself i think the more uncomfortable places that you put yourself you're going to start asking yourself those questions a lot more so yeah, that's that's some crazy stuff. So did you learn this from books? Did you learn that from psychology? Like, how did you even get to this place where you're like, okay, this happened for me? Uh, it was more of, I guess, an unraveling. It was, you know, I don't, it, kind of like you just saw things from a new set of eyes. Mm. You know, there was more out there, uh, and it just made me seek. And I was curious, and I, you know, researched, I read, I got pretty deep into some weird stuff and it just opened my mind up than just that narrow view that I always had. And um, honestly, I think, I mean, Abby went through the same experiences and she dealt with them in her own way. And I really, you know, Cardinal, what it represents, you know, she went, uh, her dream is our dream, compassionate care. Um, We've been through it, you know, we really have been through the ringer and we've come out on the other side. So we hope that like, that's something that resonates with our employees mm-hmm. and pulls people to us. Um, you know, finding the right people to fill the role. Uh, you know, hopefully those people are pulled to us because of our experiences. And when they go to the facilities or the role they're fulfilling, they carry that with them as well. So. I like it. Yeah, it's full circle. Yep. All right, we can get a final question. Okay. Well, let's do final question for each of them, and then we'll pull George back on and ask him the same final <laughs> question. You want to give George more time? I feel like George would be the one that would be quicker, actually. Okay. No, it'll be fine. We'll just ask okay, him. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Don't <laughs> make this any more complicated than it needs to be. Okay. Uh, Abby will say 60 years from now, you're on your deathbed, and you have a final message to the world. It's your mantra a paragraph a sentence a billboard in Times Square it's your final message to the world and it's a legacy that people are going to remember you by and it's your uh, message that you feel that the world needs to hear but it's unique it's from you oh my god how people are going to remember you you didn't prepare me for this how people are going to remember me mm-hmm. it's your legacy message to the world oh gosh um I don't even know. George has something to say over there. I can see his head going. <laughs> I got mine. <laughs> um, just don't ever give up on your dreams. You're always one step, one uh, no closer to a yes. That's how I've seen it during this whole entire um, process as we've unfolded. Just show your compassion, be empathetic, and never stop believing. My turn? Yeah. Uh, I really think it's, it's, everything's just in your head. You're your own worst enemy. Uh, anything that you, it's self-doubt. If you can work through that self-doubt, you can really do anything, you know, but spend your whole life working through it. Well, I guess we'll bring George over. I like it. Let's bring George on. <laughs> All right, George, you got your mantra? Yeah, I do. <laughs> My, my mantra is just try, fail, please. I love failure. Failure is my favorite because I learned. 
Um, I'm going to fail way more than I'm going to succeed. And that is the one thing I tell my kids, I tell her kids, I tell all of us is we're never going to get anywhere unless we try. We're, I'm, we're never going to get anywhere unless somebody pushes me off the edge. And I'm never going to get anywhere unless I fail. And I have to fail. And I love failing because it means I, at least I tried. And it's one step closer to succeeding. Hmm. I like it. All right. Where can our listeners get a hold of you guys if they want to have you guys staff them, if they want to work for you guys, or if they just want to get a hold of you guys and go off for coffee or something? <laughs> uh, their best bet is to visit our website. It's cardinalhcs.com. Uh, there's an info tab on there. You can put a request in and contact us. Um, you're welcome to always call us. Uh, the phone number is online, or it's 260-433-9426. I like it. All right, any final thoughts that you guys want to share with our listeners? No, it was a pleasure being here. Um, I know we didn't get a lot of time to talk about uh, real estate and things like that, but that is definitely our next venture. So maybe the next time you have us in here, we'll have a success story for you. There we go. Let's go. Yes. Real thank estate you for your coming. time. This yeah. Thank great. you guys for coming on. Yep, thank you. Thank you guys for watching. See you on the next one. Peace.